0: on this Lord today. As we have already done in, in Psalm 55, reading just a few verses of that, we have a Psalm of David where he highlights the troubled heart, the troubled heart of a child of God, a child of God who was burdened with the stresses and the pressures that has come upon him because of the hands of wickedness. And what we see there, you see David, first of all, he longed just to get away from it all. He just wished he could just fly away and be away from this trouble, from the stress that he was having to deal with. And in turn, he then asked God to please justly, Deal with the wicked that were doing such things to him. But in spite of all of that, David was determined to trust, to trust God. In spite of what he was dealing with, the pressure and the stresses, the injustice and all of that that's playing out in his life, he was determined to keep on trusting God. And the reason why is because David believed with all of his heart that God saves the righteous, and he particularly saves the righteous who call upon him. Do circumstances and relationships in your life, in our lives, sometimes become just overwhelmingly difficult? Do the stresses and pressures of our lives sometimes just become even painfully stressful to us? Well, yes, they do. Hardships, as we all know, comes in all kinds, all shapes, all all sizes, all colors. Hardship of all kinds, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, All of these hardships and these pressures and these stresses have a way of testing us. They have a way of challenging us as creatures of God. And at times those pressures, those stresses that we experience along the way in this life push us to limits that we think we cannot bear. To the point that even, perhaps, there is moments where there is the stirring of doubt that gets implanted in our thoughts, that gets implanted in even our hearts if we are not careful, if we're not guarded against the fact that life can be filled with trouble. Life can be filled with extreme difficulty. Life can at times be just overwhelmingly burdensome, even to us of faith. Even to us of strong faith. Because faithful Christians just sometimes find themselves in circumstances. We find ourselves in trials where and when we begin to ask such such things as, where is God? Where are you, God, in my life? Where are the promised blessings that I have trusted in for so many years? And as more and more comes, perhaps, crashing down on our lives, perhaps that we even very personally begin to feel or think or say, are you you even caring about me? Do you even care what's happening to me? Faithful Job, in the Old Testament, likewise wrestled with these same questions. Job wrestled to understand his situation, to understand why things happen, and understand the reasons behind it all. And he, he simply wanted a plausible explanation An explanation of all of the painfully sudden losses that came crashing down in his life. And as many of you, if not all, already know, Job basically lost everything. Maybe not absolutely everything, but it it is a high percentage of what he lost. He lost almost everything. And he had questions. And he wanted answers. And perhaps David in his own way is verbalizing there in Psalm 55 the same struggle, particularly when David sees his circumstances coming at the hands of wickedness. And he's asking God for answers. He's asking God for help. In these very difficult times. And so this morning I want to talk about and, and think about the idea of how God cares. God really does care. In the first letter of Peter. In the first letter of Peter the apostle reassures suffering Christians. He is reassuring suffering Christians that God is caring for them. And you turn there to the familiar passage of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we we read just those two verses, verse 6 and verse 7. And the Holy Spirit, through Peter, speaks to us saying, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so Peter here is very simply saying to Christians then and to us today that may find ourselves in very similar Not the same, but similar circumstances of being pressured and stressed and overwhelmed by our circumstances, overwhelmed by our our situation. And we need to be told, we need to be reminded, we need to be fortified and re-fortified with the truth. God does care. When you glance through the epistle here of 1 Peter, What you have here, you have Christians. They are born-again individuals who have been born again to a living hope. It is not a dead hope. It is a hope that is very much alive. But these born-again individuals, these saints, these Christians, faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, they are scattered and they are suffering. And Peter talks about that in this little letter of five chapters. And there are a number of descriptions that you know he refers to. He talks about how that they are being distressed. Christians were distressed because of their trials, because of their temptations. But not only are they being distressed by that, he says there are evildoers out there who are maligning you and they are slandering you and you still got to be a good example no matter what. No matter what they are saying about you, you still do the right thing, live the right way, and perhaps eventually, they'll see it. Some were even being mistreated by their masters, and that is why they're being instructed, no matter how they treat you, you conduct yourself Christ-like. There were opponents there are enemies of Christ and enemies and opponents of righteousness. And they are hurling, they're throwing, they're directing their enmity, their hatred, their opposition against Christ and against righteousness, they're hurling it as the disciples of Christ at Christians, and they're doing so with intimidation and even at times harming them. It is in this context that you have those reassuring words of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves. Keep humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Were they dealing with Anxieties, yes. They are dealing with enormous anxieties. And they're being told, cast it on your faithful creator. Why? Because he cares for you. Earlier on in the fourth chapter, at the very end of that chapter, he gave them this admonishment, this exhortation. He says, therefore, after talking about it, you know, it's better to suffer as a Christian than to suffer as an ungodly unrighteous you know disobedient person it's still suffering but he says rejoice in the fact that you're suffering as a Christian and then he ends that paragraph by saying therefore those also who suffer according to the will of God it's not the suffering suddenly went away it's not that the suffering's all gone no Those who are suffering according to the will of God, he says, entrust your soul. Entrust your soul to a faithful creator in doing what is right. You just keep on doing right, no matter what they're doing to you, and trust God in this. That's easier to preach sometimes than to live, is it not? When you're in that kind of suffering, when when you are feeling that kind of pressure and stress, oh yes, on the one hand, we know as Christians, we know as believers of God, that we need to trust God. And we need to entrust everything to Him. But in the moments, it doesn't mean that it's not challenging. That it's not hard to do that. In chapter 4, he describes their suffering as a fiery ordeal. These Christians were going through what he says is a fiery ordeal. And so, by the Spirit, the Apostle Peter here wrote to these Christians then, and because it's the living word of God, he is still speaking to us through his penmanship, to remind Christians, to remind believers, to remind people who have put their trust in God to keep in trusting God. Well, how you know well, how how do you do that? Well, you've got to be reminded of a number of things. One is you need to be reminded Of who God the Father and who Christ the cornerstone are. Remember who your God is. Remember who your Father is. And remember who the cornerstone is. And remember what that shepherd did for you. He talks about that in 1 Peter. Who their Father is. Who the cornerstone is. And what the shepherd did. But not only that, he goes on and also says, he's reminding them who they are. You need to remember who you are now, who you are in Christ, and what spiritual treasure, what spiritual blessings are in your possession. They are yours. He said, you need to remember that. And it is, it is based upon these thoughts and these profound statements in this letter that Peter then says there in the fifth ch- chapter, God does care. He cares for you. He is caring for you. This Greek word cares, carries with it also the concepts of forethought and interest. Forethought and interest. It, it's more than just a kind deed that makes life a a little bit more pleasant at the moment. It is more than just a kind deed that eases the burden right now. It it includes those things, yes. But it's a much bigger and deeper thought when he says God cares for you. God beforehand, God in his foreknowledge, in his forethought, was caring for you and me long before we were even born God is interested in you long before you and I find ourselves in circumstances that are hard and difficult as his children because that's the nature of God God has always cared and and continues to care about his creation He cares about all of his creatures. For example, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 9. Interesting thought here is this, very quickly I'll make, but the statement is made in the ninth chapter, in the ninth verse of 1 Corinthians, as Paul is making some points about the care of of workers in the kingdom. He says, it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And then he says, God is not concerned about oxen, is he? The word concern there in the New American Standard Version is the same word care. And so he says, God is not concerned about oxen, is he? And the question: and the, what is the answer? Yes, yes. He does. That's why, that's why in the law, it says, when it comes to your domestic animals, you know, who do this work for you, he says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Does God care? Yes. See, there's forethought in that command. Before that commandment was one of the commandments of the law of Moses, God thought about Oxen. He was interested in the well-being of his creatures. Now the lesson in 1 Corinthians 9 goes on to say, and so therefore the spiritual application is that God is also caring, God is also looking out for those who are his spiritual laborers as well. But the point is, does God care? Yes, he does care. Another example is over in John 10. This is a familiar passage because it is the passage about Jesus being the good shepherd. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And so you look there particularly, just one verse primarily, where again we find the use of this word, and as Jesus is making the point, uh, identify, I'm the good shepherd, you know, who, uh, who's going to lay down his life for you, in verse 13, talking about those who are not the good shepherds. The contrast here. Jesus is the good one, and you got those who are not the good, good shepherds. And he says, he says, he flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about sheep. There's our word again, Care. Jesus is not like a hired guy who really doesn't have any forethought or real genuine interest in what he is tending to. No, Jesus is our good shepherd who cares very much so about all of his sheep. And so the point Peter's making in the first letter of Peter is that God cares god has put forth thought god has interest in you and in me and in all of humanity for that and so therefore when we find ourselves like our brethren then when we find ourselves in the midst of hardship in sorrow in persecution the point is just keep trusting god just continue relying on god keep submitting to god keep humbling yourself to God, even when it's hard to do, because God does care. God is caring, and throughout the uh, the Bible, history testifies us to the fact that God God does this. For example, in Genesis six six, when talking about the condition of the world of humanity and how bad it got in Genesis six, do you remember how God felt? How did God feel when he saw how bad mankind had become? How did he he feel about it? What was his reaction? Well, verse 6 tells us, The Lord was very sorry that he made man on earth, and he was what? He was grieved. He was grieved in his heart. The grief of our creator shows how much he really does care. A being does not grieve over matters that he does not care about. If you care about something, you really care about something, and things go badly, it grieves us like our creator. And that should not surprise us because we are like our creator in that sense. Made in his image. And when God looked at the sin and the wickedness of the world, it grieved him. He cared. Divine justice is not without forethought. Divine justice is not without interest for those who are the image bearers of him. He very much cares about the world and about humanity. God has always been a God and still is a God that looks after the well-being of individuals. Individuals who are dealing with circumstances, very unpleasant circumstances, which sometimes they were not completely in control of. Things were happening to them that they really didn't have complete control of, all the situation and how those, those events unfolded. And they found themselves in very unpleasant, uncomfortable, you know, stressful things. You recall the story of Hagar, the maid of Abraham's wife, Sarah. And you recall the story where they were still, Abraham and Sarah had not had children. And so Sarai suggested, hey, have relationship with a maid and we will have a child through her. And Abraham agrees. It's not God's plan. It doesn't go as well you know, as they thought it was going to go. You know, their plan is still not God's plan, but the, as you look at this uh, occasion, Sarai then, after the fact, treats Hagar, her maid, harshly. Uh, Sarah mistreated her, and Hagar runs away, but then an angel of God appears to her, here in Genesis 16, and speaks to her, and, and basically, you know, as you see there, for example, in verse 9, he said, Well, first of all, Hagar, you need to go back to Sarah. Go back into that very unpleasant situation. And you need to go back, and he says, You are with child. God's going to multiply you, God's going to bless you. you know, in verse 11, because he has given heed to your affliction, it says. The Lord has given heed to your affliction. And you recall, she called Jehovah what? What did she call Jehovah? She called Jehovah Elroy, which means the God who sees. God saw Hagar. Really saw Hagar. Saw her situation. Saw her circumstances. Why is that? Because God cared. Jacob, who married two sisters, Leah and Rachel. You know, not because it was all his own choosing. But in the end, you know, the family circumstance at best was difficult because there was partiality. And you recall there in chapter 29, verse 31, it says, Now the Lord saw. There's a point about that our God is the God who sees. He sees us. He sees individuals. He sees their circumstances. And he saw that Leah was unloved. And so he opened her womb, and she began to have children. And Leah Leah recognized that this was a blessing from God, that God was caring for her. And so therefore... Her firstborn son, she names Reuben. Why? Because the Lord has seen my affliction. God cares. You go over to 1 Samuel, years later. Years later, when you when you think about the unfolding of history, here's another situation where here's a man married to two women. They're not sisters. But Hannah, one of the two, was being bitterly provoked by the other wife. The other wife is mistreating Hannah. And so she ends up praying fervently, fervently to Jehovah and asks for a son there in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And in time, after she goes home, she conceives and has that son, and course, in time, she's going to keep her word, keep her promise, and she gives her son, gives her son up, you know, to serve God all of his days. But I want you to notice, particularly there in that chapter, chapter 1, after, you, know, you, know, you know, she's gone home, and it says, in verse 19 of 1 Samuel 1, And Elkanah, that's the husband, had relations with Hannah, his wife. And now listen. And the Lord remembered. The Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time. Hannah conceived and she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because, she says, I have asked him of the Lord. God saw. Why? Because he cared. God remembers. Why? Because he cares. And God is caring for you and me. The God who was and is and will be forevermore is the God who cared and cares and will forevermore care. You Think about it. Every divinely recorded account teaches us in the scriptures of God. Of God's compassion and his justice. Of his holiness and his righteousness. Of his forethought and his interest, divine care will not always manifest itself in the exact way we want. But our Father's care is a constant. Because he is the God who sees. He is the God who remembers. Now, obviously, the evidence of God's immeasurable care is seen foremost of all in the greatest manifestation of love that he has for sinners. That he loved and he still loves the whole world and that's why Jesus was sacrificed. That's why the Father sacrificed his son, John 3.16, so that men may live and not perish. Why why, why is God concerned of whether or not we perish? Because God is grieved by man's sinfulness. And God is grieved by what sin will bring upon them. And so because of that care and his love, Jesus died. So throughout the New Testament, there are passages after passage that clearly reiterates this, this point again and again, trying to get it embedded in our heart. So in our moments of distress, and our moments of pressure, in moments where we feel we, we are in a hole, the light of his love shines through. 1 John 3, we know love, how? Well, We you know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. But well, Romans 5, 8, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who's the us? Us, people who once were lost in sin. And all of this came with forethought. All of this came because God has an interest, a vested interest in humanity, in those that from the very beginning he made in his image. And so therefore in Romans chapter 8, In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, speaking of the great scheme and plan of God that has been at work and has been executed throughout time, he says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What is the ultimate purpose of God? That is to provide redemption and bring the redeemed home to him. And so we know that God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, talking about forethought, those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. The evidence of God's care, his forethought, his interest in the human race and in each of us individually, clearly, is seen in the pinnacle of the sacrifice of Christ and sinners can be saved. God always sees. God always sees. The greater question, though, is do we see? Do we see all the ways he cares? Do we see all the ways he is caring for us? The challenge is, obviously, cultivating and maintaining a spiritual perspective. Having a spiritual perspective while we walk through this physical journey as we walk our journey of life here on earth you know we need to develop we need to keep a spiritual perspective so that it can help us to learn learn that god's caring grace is really at work it's at work even when i can't see it through my vision his caring grace is at work it's always been there. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, where in the Sermon on the Mount, where we're being instructed to love our enemies. Why? Well, because God does. We need to have a love like God, our Father, and he talks about how he is a Father who causes the sun to shine, and the rain to fall, on who? Well, on everybody. On good people and bad people, on just people and unjust people. And what, what that is, even in that simple thing of sun sunshine and rain, is the natural part of, of life, sometimes which we take for granted, which we complain, oh, it's so hot today. And then the next day, oh, it's too, so wet today. And we're complaining about God's provision for the globe, for all of humanity. But that simple fact that the sun is still there doing its job, and the cycle of moisture is still doing its job. Is the steadfast care of God. Because you and I can't make the sun do what it's doing. And you and I can't make the rain do what it needs to do. But God is. God is. He cares. But if you go back to our, our main passage of this morning there in 1 first, uh, first Peter, as we try to make just some very quick application. And you look there in 1 Peter chapter 5, the very fact that he says, cast all your anxieties on him. The apostle directs Christians, put you know, all your anxieties on him. What does that say about God? What that says is God knows you have anxiety. God already knows you have anxieties and you will have more anxieties in this life. God is fully aware. He is not a God that's not, he's not unaware. He is not uninterested. He cares. And he knows. And he knows each anxiety and every anxiety of every individual, and especially of every child of him. God knows. And God wants you and me, he wants us to pray to him, to petition him with these anxieties. Why is that? Well, it's because God Wants to hear us. God wants to share our burdens. He wants to share our burden. It's our burdens, it's not His. But He says, Let me have them. Let me have them. And so in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 5, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is near. Well, how near are you, God? He said, well, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension." Will guard you. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God wants to hear you. God wants to share your burdens. Why is that? Because He cares. And although, yes, He is in heaven. And that may seem so, so far away from our earthly perspective. But he is not far. He really isn't. He is not that far away. Though it may seem and feel that way sometimes. He is not far away from us. And his peace. This unsurpassed peace. This incomprehensible peace it's attainable it's within our grasp it's right there because god cares in the same chapter of first peter in verse 9 when he it, it continues his exhortation he talks about the idea of how they you, know, you need to resist satan verse 8 describes the roaring lion the devil And he says, and resist him firmly in faith. Now listen, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. God says you are not alone. God wants you and me to know we are not alone. Not only do we have brethren, this spiritual family. These are not the only ones. There's a multitude. There's a multitude that we do not know, that we do not know their names. who are in like way dealing with the stresses and the pressures and the heartaches and the pain and the sorrows and the loss. We are not alone in our struggles in this life. And God wants you to know that because he cares. But then finally, timing is, is crucial. God ultimately, God ultimately knows when the proper times are to act, to lift up, and to perfect. If you go back and you look at the, in verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you when? At the proper time. God knows that. I don't. God God knows the proper time. In verse 10 he says, after you have suffered for a little while, it may not seem so little to us, but God through the Spirit speaks to us through Peter and says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. God knows. God is fully aware of what we deal with, what we suffer. God knows it very well. And he knows very much in a personal way what it means to suffer as well. But in God's time is best. In God's time is best. And that's a caring grace that works effectively and efficiently in our lives, who are the workmanship of Jesus Christ. God does care. He has always cared. And he is caring. And he will continue to care. And so as we deal with life, in all of its unpleasantness, and we deal with all of its hardships. And we deal with, yes, even all of its injustices. Humble yourself to God. trust yourself to God. Because he is caring for you. He loves the world. And He loves all men. He desires all to come to repentance, that they may not perish, but be saved. But you're not just some number, insignificant number in the masses. God knows you. And God cares for you. He cares for a single sparrow that falls to More as he cares. To bear his image of an eternal life. He cares so much for us that Jesus died an excruciating death on a terrible cross. And that was done to atone, propitiate for sin. Because there is no other lamb worthy enough to die willingly of his own choice by submitting to the Father's will that can take you for your sin. But Jesus did that. And the Father did that because he cares for you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved eternally you believe Jesus to be the Christ. You believe Him to be the Son of God, but you have not by faith rendered obedience to Him. We want to encourage you, we want to urge you, consider seriously to making that decision, that commitment this very hour. We're ready to help you as you repent of your sin and we take your confession of faith. We will gladly bear you water and graves of baptism according to the Lord's command so that you may be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. God cares for you. He also cares for those of us who have called upon the name of God in days gone by. And He cares enough to provide that Son not only as the sacrifice but as our advocate. So when we do sin we can turn to we confess our sin to him, and he will be faithful to forgive us when we penitently humbly approach a throne of God cares for you. If we can assist you in any way spiritually, to assist you in the water of your baptism or to pray with you and for you, we invite you, we encourage you, please come forward, make your wishes known while we stand and sing a song and song.